Who knows? Computers are magic. Welcome to Active Discourse, the multi-platform technology podcast. I'm Brett, and I am ready for iOS 15. And I'm Bo, and I'm just looking for six years of updates on my side of the fence. Yes, we. I don't even have that in the show notes, but yes, we'll we'll probably get to that. So, uh, a lot on Apple today, but first uh, with some follow up. Uh, Microsoft. Uh, last we spoke, uh, Microsoft had a uh, teased an event for sometime in June about Windows, and that announced that event was announced for June twenty fourth, and that is. Uh, little over a week away now so which may or may not be windows 11 widely expected to be windows 11 but we'll see if it's called that as per usual i i love to plug windows weekly they had a great recap of their expectations for the upcoming event it was uh from a nerdy perspective it was a lot of fun to listen to their them talk about that so that's windows weekly 728 and there's a link in the show notes for that yeah we'll see if we end up in another wear os type of situation with the name for windows next os yeah yeah <laughs> can't be as bad as usb c usb 3 etc so uh, it couldn't possibly be that bad theoretically anyway um another microsoft event was announced and um it took place today but we don't really have time to chat about it uh microsoft had a bethesda event i think we'll probably talk more about games uh after e3 has uh completed has sony announced an event for e3 or around the e3 time Sony is going to be having a larger one. There has been a ton of game announcements from just various kind of smaller studios and I think a couple larger ones uh, in the past few days. So there's quite a bit of action happening at the moment on all the platforms. Yeah. Um, And then lastly, related to Xbox, uh, Microsoft has announced that their cloud gaming uh, will be launching on all platforms in the quote-unquote coming weeks. And I'm pretty excited about that because last summer we spoke about how Microsoft can't launch an app uh, on Apple's App Store where uh, users can stream games to their phone. There was a big kerfuffle and Microsoft said, well, fine, then we just won't launch cloud gaming on iOS and Apple. You can just deal with that. Well, um, Microsoft came up with an alternative solution, which Apple has no control over, which is uh, they just came up with a, a progressive web app. And so it's going to be uh, a web portal that you can add to your home screen and it will act like an app. And I'm excited about that idea. So I'm looking forward to giving that a shot. The future is PWA. It's like NWA, but a little more techie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, whatever in the coming weeks means, I don't know, but uh, it will probably launch before um, we talk about games. So I am going to be giving it a shot and I'll report back when I can give it a shot. So uh, you have one more piece of follow up. What do you got, Bo? Uh, this is a, another little piece of tech that I'm getting again for some reason i find myself in these situations where i find this thing and then i have to wait for like three months before i (laughs) figure out if it's actually worth it or not this is what i think is going to work out it's called aa wireless uh it's just a wireless adapter for android auto so it was an indiegogo campaign um that was fully funded uh, in the last few months or so and they've shipped generation one already of the hardware and I caught up to it late, so I'm getting Generation 2, which will ship in October. 
it's not necessarily bad. We talked about this, I think, on last yeah. episode, and um, I'm having a lot of issues with the USB-C port on my phone, and it's just kind of loose, and so it jiggles out of hand to write auto if I hit a bump in my car and stuff like that. But my car doesn't have wireless Android Auto, so this hopefully will be something I can set and forget and just leave the little adapter in my car, and it'll boot up in Android Auto Wireless when it connects. Looking forward to it. I think there's a CarPlay version of that as well. Um, I've heard kind of mixed results from it, but um, that may also just be people being super picky about it as well. So, um, yeah, I'm very curious. So shipping in October, that's a... Oh man, that's not going to solve it. <laughs> it's not going to really solve your problem because you should have your new, if you get the Sony, uh, you should have your new phone by August. So you're going to go through the whole summer. Yes, but, but <laughs> yeah, it will still solve one of my primary issues yeah. with this, which is I want an Android Auto Wireless from the get-go with my new car. Yeah. And right. I wasn't able to get that. I just haven't wired Android Auto. So this is still going to at least solve that aspect. It either solves one issue um, that I could have lived, that I could still live with, or it solves an issue I cannot live with because it's just so irritating. So, yeah. well, you have an irritating summer ahead of you, but right, uh, it's going to be a tough couple of months. But we'll uh-huh. see how it goes. You're you're in our thoughts and prayers. <laughs> okay, so. Um, that was efficient. That was very efficient. And we are rocking and rolling to the main topic today because I, I have probably too much to say. But there is a lot. Apple's uh, yearly developer conference took place last week. Uh, I have a lot to say about it. Um, but as a quick overview, I want to highlight everything with the fact that this year is going to be essentially a quality of life improvement. Um, but again, thanks to the nature of how Apple updates their platforms, which is once per year. Uh, even a small year is a huge year. So one thing to share just kind of as a tradition on this show, I I want to direct you to the Verge's recap of uh, WWDC. They do a really good job putting together their recap of the keynotes um, and putting together a recap of what kind of matters from the week. And so uh, go check out uh, the Verge's recap of wwdc 2021 we have a link in the show notes as well yeah could could we say we've outsourced to them would that be accurate yes yes we have outsourced to one of the biggest tech news sites in the in the world so yes we're we're strong partners with the verge yes mm-hmm. <laughs> although um so we don't get sued that is not true at all it's not accurate just just to put that out there <laughs> okay, moving quickly along before not we get, associated <laughs> before we get into too much trouble. Um, so we don't know the real life impact of uh, iOS or iPad OS, Watch OS, Mac OS. Um, but for now, I want to talk about quick impressions and um, a little then a little bit about developing apps. So here's here's something that I want to start with. Almost every single feature that was announced for every single platform and this is just a high level overview almost every single feature on the on announced for their platforms are coming to all platforms so in previous years mac os or ipad os feels like it would have been left in the dark 
when iPad when iPhone got some big updates. So this year, one of the big new features was focus mode. And in previous years, Apple theoretically could have just said, this is a new feature for iPhone only because the iPhone is the device that's with you for most of the time. And it's the one that's probably bugging you the most. And so we're going to give you a focus mode, a new way of managing notifications. And in previous years, it would only come to the iPhone and then eventually it would start trickling down to iPad and Mac in in following years, whether or not the the service was uh, successful or not. And this year, pretty much every single new feature was is going to be released day one on all their platforms. So I'm I'm really excited about that. And it feels like a change in philosophy. So um, I think that's pretty great. Spread the love. One quick positive note is uh, this has been something I've been asking for for years and Apple finally determined that their hardware is powerful enough to support it. And that's an on-device Siri processing. So this should result in much faster requests And it also appears that it allows Siri to maintain context. So let's just say you're asking Siri where Burger King is, or uh, sorry, what uh, Burger King's hours are. And then it tells you the result and you hear that they're open. And then you say, all right, now call them. And Siri, you don't need to restart a conversation with Siri. It theoretically remembers, you just asked about Burger King. Here's its hours. Uh, And then you say, call them. It should just pick up the phone and call them for you. And that context holding, I think is the beginning of the next generation of uh, smart assistants. Does Google do that currently? Do you know? I know they have follow-up questions. I don't know if that part specifically works offline, but Google Assistant does have some offline functionality. I'm pretty sure that was one of the things they had started to work on in the past couple of years. They had Mm -hmm. dedicated chips for this purpose. Is Apple's implementation on a specific separate chip or is it part of the SOC? These days, they've basically stopped talking about anything else other than the SOC. Previous years when Intel Macs were still being released, Apple would talk about like the T2 chip or something like that in addition to the Intel processor in there. So they've pretty much stopped talking about that. And so long way of saying, yes, I believe all of this is possible with the uh a series processors super cool i'm glad they did that yeah because that plays right into their whole privacy conversation that they're having they can keep that offline yeah it feels a little late because it it, i don't know why it took them so long to finally say yes our hardware is powerful enough to support on-device voice recognition because from what i understand it's not it's available to every phone that supports ios 15 and that goes back to the iPhone 6S launched in 2015. So they've had as much this much power for a while, and I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't... I mean, it, obviously, it's a hard thing to develop, but I'm just surprised it took them so long. So I'm happy they finally yeah. did that. So Apple giveth. And Apple taketh away, or doesn't give us in the first <laughs> place. So I'll uh, go to a negative. Thank you for the segue there. You're welcome. Totally planned. Yeah, I'm going to jump to a, uh, a negative, which is a big feature that was thought to exist when Apple announced their iPads in, I think it was April. Uh, their new iPads have an M1 processor in it, which now supports Thunderbolt, which theoretically means you should be able to really support some really high resolution external displays. Um, Thunderbolt is the gold standard for display technology these days and the ipad has it but for whatever reason the software for the ipad to support external displays has not been radically changed 
even slightly. It it all it does, unless you have an app that is expecting an external display, it just mirrors your display. It just mirrors your iPad display on an external monitor. So there's really no point in plugging in an external monitor unless you know screen mirroring is important to you. The apps that can support external displays are video apps that uh, benefit from the fact that you can do a live preview on a larger screen that's not connected, but it doesn't have any touch input whatsoever. So, okay, so you you can there are certain very specific dedicated scenarios where you can output yeah. to an external monitor, but you can't use it as like an extension of right. your iPad's screen. Yeah, exactly. Like you can have a, a mouse. You have mouse support on iPad. You we've now had that for over a year. And um, you can't just throw an app onto the external display and then throw your mouse onto that external display unless you find an app that figures out how to trick the system, essentially. Uh, The default feature is that the external monitor pretty much exclusively mirrors what your iPad displays with the pillar bars, the black pillar bars included as well. So if you have... You know, if you don't have a four by three monitor, which no one in this world does these days, you have black bars that cut off half of your display, basically. So external monitor support for iPad currently is terrible. And it really surprises me that they did nothing with that this year, especially given the M1 and the iPad. So uh, there was some multitasking upgrades, though, that help it get closer. Uh, So hopefully Apple maybe next year does it. I don't know. I guess we'll see. So. Yeah, I feel like tablets tablets are just kind of perpetually on this like we're we're just about there. We're so close to having them as like the main computer. I feel like mm-hmm. it's just kind of perennially in that on the edge of that. Yeah, I mean, I have this idea in my head about um, you know, it if you had an M1 iPad Pro and you plug it into a dock, there's no rhyme or reason why it can't also run macOS. Um, and that's not to say that an iPad should run macOS, but if you plug it into a dock that's connected to a monitor, it should do something more than mirror the display. And I kind of want to live in a world where I can take the iPad and have it context switch for me. It's a very versatile product, and I want it to take advantage of its versatility that it has within it. One more positive and then one more negative from WWDC, and then we'll talk about some programming stuff. So one more positive. Shortcuts on Mac. This is a huge feature that will benefit me personally someday when my employer updates my Mac. Um, I have, I'm fortunate enough to have a Mac at work, and uh, enterprises uh, like to keep, for good reasons, uh, like to keep users on a version from the previous year. And so I'm still on Catalina as of today. Um, They're a little behind. Um, At this time last year, I was on Catalina. So they typically get updated roughly about like 10 months after the release. So it would be nice to have Big Sur by now, but I don't. Anyway, um, so I'm not really expecting macOS Monterey anytime soon, but I might try to get onto the beta track because uh, Shortcuts is a extremely friendly Uh, automation tool that will make 
my life easier. Uh, Corporate worlds are filled with repetitive tasks and really a never-ending desire to archive and document things in a very specific way. And it's always tedious. And it would be great if you could automate some of these tedious tasks. And uh, Shortcuts is a great way to do that. And it's a friendly programming environment as well. You get to move blocks around and you get to say, all right, when I tell you to do this, take a block, do this. It's like, it's like Legos. It's really cool. And someday I'll be able to do it. So hopefully I can get onto a beta track and be able to do it soon. Yeah, that kind of thing is super cool to have built in because uh, in a corporate environment like you're talking about, that, that stuff is, it tends to be more trusted than um, having to reach out and, and look for a third-party solution. Because I, I think a lot of places could benefit from things like that, like where I work and, and I interact with you on certain rare occasions. Maybe more businesses. soon. <laughs> yeah. So automation at my company is a big deal because we get a lot of work going through and, and just the, the nature of what we do. There's some things that we can automate. and Yeah. So tools like this, you know, we have some stuff already, but tools like this for even other people in our company that don't usually work in kind of the programming environment, there's probably a ton of opportunity for things like this to get used to streamline what they're doing every day. So getting these things built in is super cool, and especially since they're a little bit more accessible. So uh, Shortcuts on Mac is is going to be a lot of fun. It's currently available on iPad, and it's going to be a little bit bigger on iPad as well because um, in the next iteration, it will allow for what is it? Window management, which again gets back to the whole concept of you can automate how your windows appear on the uh, iPad itself. And so again, you just think that, you know, if you could connect to an external monitor, it would, it would be pretty nice to have automation in there as well. So one last negative thing uh, to just share here is that last year, Widgets were announced last year for iOS 14, and this was one of those situations where it was announced for iOS 14, but it wasn't announced for iPadOS. So this year, it was announced for iPadOS. And the big difference in widgets last year from the previous iterations of widgets was that they're not interactive. They are essentially just an image that an app developer can say, hey, this here's the weather for the next hour or so. And then the user can say, I want that on my home screen. And when they tap it, it just brings them into the app. There's no, you, you can't scroll on the on the widget itself. So that seems like an obvious thing at some point that Apple will say, hey, now you can interact with widgets on your home screen and you don't need to actually go into the app in order to do anything with it, but not this year. And the good thing is that it's on iPad this year. So that's a good thing, but they're not interactive. They're bigger. So more visual information, that's good but not interactive. So uh, I think they're a little limited as a result. Yeah, I, I think that's for battery reasons. From what I can tell, uh, it only refreshes every... It's not a specific time it's weird, thing. It's There's a lot of kind of battery... Like there's a budget, I guess, that yep. goes into the whole thing. And so the widget maybe requests from the budget and the OS kind of decides if it's able to refresh or not, but it's somewhere between 15 and 60 minutes. Yeah. It's weird because it, it basically, it it seems like they built it to say you can't build a clock (laughs) because we're not going to tell you how frequently you're going to update. It's just going to update enough. 
I haven't actually dug into building widgets, but I'm probably going to do that this summer since fortunately there isn't a there isn't a ton of new stuff to build, not like widgets last year. And again, novice developer here, so yeah, I'm I'm able to do it now. So anyway, two last quick things that we don't really have a ton of time to mention, but I want to I want to mention them. So one negative: Safari was redesigned. It looks way more complicated to use these days as a result of reducing the user interface down to basically nothing. It's essentially a back button. It's a area where you can have tabs and it's an area where you can enter in uh, a URL and it's all kind of like merged together in this kind of nightmare looking t- uh, tab bar. And it's all in the idea of simplicity. And I think it I don't like it. So I'll use it. I don't really quite like it. I think it looks super sleek, but definitely hides a lot of the interface. It's it's like the interface like you would you kind of imagine when you think about mm-hmm. an interface, especially when you get into like science fiction ideas of what user interfaces are going to look like in the future. And so this one it it pretty much reduces the tabs to just the icon, right? And then it it's very minimal around all the other stuff on the toolbar and kind of collapses a lot of things into just one bar and so it looks really sleek, but I think you're right. It's I think it's going to be harder for people to immediately see what they're dealing with, especially for people who maybe weren't born in a web browser <laughs> like maybe you and I were and then the one last positive thing that I have to say, uh, but don't really have a ton of time to talk about, is um, universal control. It's this amazing new feature that Apple demonstrated. And the reason why I don't have a ton to say about it right now is because of the fact that I want to come back to it uh, probably sometime this fall after this feature releases. And I want to get talk to you again about how we're using our tablets these days and how they fit into our uh our uh, hobby work life these days so universal control will change that for me though so i'm excited about that okay yeah cool so the last piece of wwdc i want to talk here is i want to talk shop with you essentially and there's uh two things that got announced and i have to uh mull something over with you so the first feature that got announced today which is a swift language feature that isn't necessarily apple centric but is going to help me it's a uh, it's a feature called concurrency and um, i've seen it referred to as async await a lot just which is the how you incantate it in the in the code itself and i'm curious to know from your perspective how common in the real world are completion handlers because i hate them okay <laughs> yeah um so com- completion handlers in uh programming and swift calls them completion handlers um in other languages they might be called callbacks mm-hmm. the way things happen a lot of times in the real world is asynchronously you're not sitting around waiting for it to happen you're doing something else in the meantime so these if you call them a callback i could see completion handler also working because you're handling the completion of something but mm-hmm. i like the term callback because it that kind of describes what it is you're if i uh send you a text brett and mm-hmm. uh i'm asking you to do something while i'm doing something yep. i'm going to continue what i'm doing until 
you give me the callback that I was requesting you to do. So mm-hmm. you'll call me and say, hey, I did this thing. Perfect. So that's that's what these completion handlers are. And especially in today's increasingly online world where tons of things are in the cloud, lots of things become asynchronous because we want things to keep running smoothly. We don't want users to just be stuck looking at something they're they're going to see things in the meantime where they'll be able to work on things continuously while stuff is happening in the background completion handlers and callbacks all this asynchronicity is everywhere it pretty much underlies everything that we do in programming right so completion handlers are i think we spoke about this for like in a text form saying that completion handlers are kind of a antiquated technology whereas new languages can have inherent asynchronous jesus i can't say that word at all um asynchronicity understood like and this is this is what async await is for swift where apple and the open source community they figured out how to make swift understand the concept that something can take a while but you can keep on doing other things while this task that you say is going to take a while completes and when it completes it now knows all right i'm done i'm going to give this there so it's multitasking it's massively multitasking and i'm just curious to know if other languages out there if swift is kind of behind the times here that uh finally they did something that takes into account that things can happen in parallel and um, is this common or is this kind of a rev- a new feature that not all languages really support a ton? No, this is Swift is definitely following the lead of other languages right now, which yeah. is great because async await, it, it really actually started with F sharp, which is Microsoft's C sharp uh, little brother in like 2007 or eight or something. And it, it really took off once it started to go into C sharp. And so async await has been in many languages actually um, since then. Yeah. So JavaScript now has async await. Rust has a form of it. Python, I think even C++ has something like it. Of course, that has everything in the kitchen sink. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. it's it's in a lot of things. And what async await really does is it makes you, it lets you write code that looks like it's not asynchronous. So what happens a lot with something like completion handlers or callbacks is you end up having to nest them. So every level Mm -hmm. of completion handler is further and further indented because basically what you're doing is giving a function to this asynchronous function call that is a callback. So when that thing is done, it's going to call your function with the result. And so what you ended up with was this pyramid of doom. You would just keep indenting until you were way off the right side of your screen. And async await basically just gets rid of all of the nesting and just lets you say the result is going to be equal to this function calls final value once it has completed. And then you can just work with that. Yeah, I can't wait. So it just levels it all off. And um, it was a a big change for me when I was writing JavaScript and and now in in C Sharp. Um, It's it's so much better than having to deal with... I mean, basically, it's it's working with the completion handlers Mm -hmm. under the surface. It's doing the same thing you might have done with a little more machinery. It's just hiding that all from you. So it just makes it much nicer to work with. 
Yeah, and I, I, right, I'm totally fine with hiding all that because the worst code that I had to write for the rebuild for Sneaker Tracker is uh, m- multiple uh, completion handler nestling, m- nesting, and that's by necessity. I'm not actually reaching out to a server. I'm reaching out to Apple HealthKit, and that requires heavy use of completion handlers. And so I'm excited to basically remove probably a hundred lines of code and replace it with anywhere from 10 to 20. And I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's ugly because it's always the one that's breaking and it's always like I, uh, in order to get it to work the way I wanted it to, I actually have to build in um, a few uh, I have to tell iOS basically saying, I know you're going to try to multitask here, but I need you to wait until this is done. And the the problem is what it results in is that it actually results in a slow user interface for a very specific task, uh, which is gathering the um, heart rate and the step counts from a workout. Um, whenever a user tap currently, this isn't going to be the case when it ships, but currently when a user taps on a workout that um, is not currently logged, it then has to go out and run a health kit query to figure out what the heart rate is and what the step count is. And uh, I put in multiple levels there saying, Swift, you have to stop at this step. Don't do anything else until it's done into the user it is about like a half a second of what the hell's going on and i can't wait to pull that out yeah i'm, I'm glad it's hitting swift because i was surprised they didn't have it initially <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure yeah. yeah i don't unfortunately i don't know a ton about the history of swift just because i came in so late i came in at version five so but i came in at uh, version two for swift ui and um, I'm not going to get too much into the nitty gritty here, but Swift UI is a rebuild of Apple's UI development paradigm. And uh, it's very clearly the future, but it's also Apple has very clearly stated that it's a long term project, that it is not the short term. And so basically, they're trying to convince a ton of developers to learn Swift UI, because it's going to be the future. It's it's dramatically nicer to work with. Um, and so every year, they start adding on more and more things so that developers can start getting used to it, because there's no world in which a, a big developer who has a an actual app that they make money off of, they're not going to port their whole app over to Swift UI immediately. They're going to give it some time because UI kit is old and it, it works. So last year was probably the beginning where a developer could actually develop develop a app exclusively in Swift UI. I did that, and it's great. Um, and then this year they're adding a ton more of a ton more obvious features. One of which is like uh, pull to refresh. Um, you get to the top of a list and you pull down and it starts to refresh. That's just built in and it's a single line of code. It's fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of a lot of obvious things that they started putting in there. I guess one downside, though, is the fact that all of it is tied to the new OS. And so in order to embrace these new features, you either need to immediately drop support for the old OS or you need to build in conditional statements to say, all right, so if the user is using iOS 14, do this. If the, if the user is using iOS 15, do this. And there's a lot of that. There's There's a lot of that. But this is where I get to the a new question for you. So the asynchronous code that we talked about momentarily and Swift UI updates are all nice and I want to do that and they require iOS 15. I have not yet launched Sneaker Track, but I'm actually at a point where I could. I'm actually 
kind of comfortable with it now. And so I could p- launch it before iOS 15 launches. But async await will give me a lot. The Swift UI updates will give me a lot. I'm not necessarily looking to make money off of Sneaker Tracker. It's kind of just a fun project for me to have some fun with. I don't, it kind of would negatively impact me if I had a ton of users because I don't want to screw people's lives up. So <laughs> I'm not looking to. You've ruined my favorite pair of shoes. <laughs> right. Or, you know, someone puts like a, a several weeks into tracking their shoes and then it deletes everything. I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I want a small audience, a small audience. I don't want a wide audience. And so should I just never support iOS 14 in the first place and only support iOS 15? Because in the long term, I will support older OSs, but I don't have to launch Sneaker Tracker now. I don't have any users I don't need to support iOS 15 if I'm the only user. What do you think about that? I would just not support iOS 14. I would just just completely go with the new stuff and not even worry about uh, wide support. Kind of what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, keep your focus narrow, especially since it's a, a new project. Right. And go from there. Yeah, and it feels weird to say, but right now... And for the foreseeable future, I'm the most important user (laughs) and I'm also the developer. And so I know that I will support iOS 15 on day one. I already have uh, a beta of iOS 15 on my uh, test iPhone. So I know I'll support iOS 15 immediately. And it makes my life as a developer a lot better if I can deprecate a few hacks that I had to do in order to get what I wanted, um, both out of async await and out of uh, the old version of SwiftUI. So... And, and not to mention, since iOS 15 is going to be available on devices going back to the iPhone 6S, you're still actually supporting a a pretty decent sized group of devices. It's not like you're saying, I'm only going to support devices that came out in the last three hours. Yeah. iPhones going back to 2015 will technically be able to use the app um mm-hmm. not even technically actually yeah in actuality in actuality <laughs> be able to use it yeah that's crazy cool all right well then that's gonna be the plan so we'll talk more about what it took to develop sneaker tracker in a future episode and that will be the summer that i'm pretty damn excited about it so yeah that is wwdc 2021 in a nutshell and i had a lot of fun with it this is i i'm what now this is my third wwdc that i've quote unquote attended i watched much more than attended i'm not gonna say attended sorry um (laughs) um, and it's just fun it's this developing hobby is a, a ton of fun seeing sneaker tracker actually work is 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 weird that i can say that i made it I don't know if you feel if you felt similarly when you started deploying things, but it it's weird. It's cool though. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really rewarding to make something yourself, uh, especially yeah. when you're kind of filling a gap that you needed. You know, where there's something that you were looking for and you couldn't quite find exactly what you needed. So yeah. just figure, all right, I'll do it myself. Yeah. And it's it's fun to watch these developer sessions and understand what they're actually talking about. Um, every year, yeah. I I understand more and more. And I mean, I had Audible 
exclamations when they started talking about uh, async await. I had an idea that it was coming because I followed, uh, I do follow the open source community for Swift, and I knew that I was coming. But when they started talking about it and showing examples of it, I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait yeah. to kill a hundred <laughs> lines of code. This is gonna be so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah more on uh more on developing uh in the future so it's it's a lot of fun there's a lot of free resources out there if you're listening and interested so yeah um, more coming in our our uh, developing story series yay. <laughs> all right so closing out this episode what picks uh what pick do you have for us today Bo? mine is a sunglasses company called mm. shady rays so they're uh they're a sunglasses company and kind of in the style of Ray-Bans, so the name kind of plays on it a little bit, I think. Mm. They're they're pretty inexpensive. They've I got I have two pairs right now and they're I think they're pretty good. They have a cool actually kind of warranty thing, which is uh-huh. they call it lost and broken protection. So if so if you've bought a pair from them and it breaks or you lose it, you just pay $8 and they'll just give you a new one. Uh so that's pretty cool. I also when I was Checking up on them uh, for this pick, I noticed that they have actually uh, partnered with Feeding America. So every time you buy a pair of sunglasses, they donate 10 meals to Feeding America. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, nice. Which is a cool thing. Yeah, I, I really like the style of their sunglasses, and and uh, they're fairly inexpensive, but they kind of have the, the style of you know, Ray-Bans and stuff like that. So These look slick. These look really slick. And... Uh, I've what I've wanted a lot lately is a relatively cheap pair of sunglasses. Not like uh, go to the gas station and pick up a pair of plastic <laughs> glasses, but you know something cheaper than like two hundred dollars. These fit the bill, and uh, the big thing that I was looking for is like metallic metallic coating on the front, and these have them in spades. Yeah, I actually just noticed. I think these are new since. I had seen them. They actually have blue light filtering glasses now. I don't think oh, they really? had those when I got my two pairs. So that's kind of cool. So blue light for blue light filters for those who maybe aren't aware, they usually are marketed toward people like us who are on computers and devices all the time because, you know, blue light theory is it messes with your rhythms and throws off your sleep patterns. And uh, so these blue light glasses are supposed to filter that and reduce those harmful effects. I'm pretty sure I'm getting one of these. That's sweet. I don't know a color though. I I really love the orange. I have a the kind of classic black style, and then I have uh, one that is like uh, gold and like a wood pattern. Yeah. The problem that I run into is that my head is too stupid big, and sorry, wide. Yeah, it's it, I just have a big stupid head, and. <laughs> These things need to fit. That's the big problem. But I'll, I'll do some research on that and I'll get back to you. Um, I'll send you a photo and we'll have that in the next episode of this. Okay, my pick. I have a... So I've been d- doing a lot of development lately. I've, I've finished the MVP of Sneaker Tracker. And uh, over the last week or so, I've been doing some polishing up on it. And I found a new album by a band that is pretty small and growing very, very quickly. The name of the band is Royal Blood and the name of the album is Typhoons. And I think the best way to describe this is that it it feels like almost every single song on this album would feel at home in uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. It's a really fun, punky rock album uh, and it just has a ton of energy. It's a lot of, it's great. It's absolutely great. 
And one other interesting factoid about this band is it's a band of two people, which feels uncommon. Uh, There's a drummer and a bassist who also sings. And I didn't know this until literally typing out this pick, but re-listening, it's obvious. There's no guitarist. And so the sound is that's probably a big reason why I like latched onto this because the sound is so unique. There's, it sounds like there's a guitar. Um, and that, but all that is, is the upper end of the bass range. And so you hear the guitar, but it has a surprising amount of depth to it. And it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a great, a great album. Um, some notable songs is Boilermaker, Troubles Coming, and Typhoons. Extremely cool, highly recommended. I'm reading a short description of him, and he uses uh, the uh, bassist. He uses various effects pedals and multiple amps to make yeah. his bass guitar sound like a standard electric guitar and bass at the same time. It's amazing. It yeah, blew me away inventive. that they're. Nice. It blew me away. There isn't actually a guitarist in the band. It, it's crazy. And yeah, that's like one step beyond Chevelle, even because Chevelle mm-hmm. is. I think they're a trio, and they sound bigger than you would think mm-hmm. in a lot of their songs. And uh, yeah, so this one goes even a step beyond. Like, there's only I think two dudes. Yeah, I think you're gonna like them a lot. By the way, you should really check them out. So I will. All right. Uh, Mm-hmm. I I think um, we might have a joint pick also. Oh, we do. We might have a joint bonus pick. Oh yeah, we do. You can go for it though. I've spoke too much. <laughs> uh, we just we <laughs> we checked out. Well, you watched it first and then told me about it, and then uh, I I caught up. Uh, Bo Burnham's Inside Special on Netflix, and it turned out brilliantly. Bo Burnham is such a creative guy, and I am glad to share a name with him, <laughs> which I think gives us a you know a very specific yeah. bond and and connection and <laughs> yeah. So many of his songs I can relate to very directly. He's like our age too. Like we, yeah, we knew he, that he but just yeah. turned thirty, and yeah. uh, he's got a song titled Thirty about turning thirty. Yeah. And you can <laughs> bet your ass I'll be using that in a few months. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it was a really so really creative special, and he has mm-hmm. some just great songs on there. Um, I think probably the one that's going to take off the biggest um, is Welcome to the Internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's also got some other ones that are um, you know. Man, I like so much of like the last half of the thing, like that funny feeling, goodbye, 30, and then there's just fun ones like problematic. White women's Instagram is the one that really stood out to me yeah. while I was watching it because of the fact that it took a lot of effort to make what he did because he basically framed every uh, traditional uh, Instagram shot there's like a hundred shots that he framed for that like four minute video. It's crazy. The amount of yeah, effort he put into that making that is crazy. I think that goes across his whole special too. Oh yeah, definitely. He filmed this whole thing over the course of about a year in basically one room. Yeah. And so all of his filmography, I mean the cinematography, the lighting, the, like any of the effects he did, all mm-hmm. of that was done by him 
And so he was using like foot pedals to change lights during his sets. And he had uh, like handheld lights that he would spin around himself or he had like a head mounted lamp that he shined at a disco ball to get different effects and just really creative, like a lot of effort that went into this. And so it was very, very cool Um, because you would think one guy in a room for over an hour, you know, for a comedy special how do you make that visually interesting? And he somehow found many ways to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's super, super cool. He's one of the most creative people in our generation. He's, he's incredible. So yeah, check it out. I really, I like the, I like the themes a lot and the, the kind of, uh, ideas that he had, uh, going on throughout the special, the messaging. So yeah, very much liked it. All right, well, that's it for now. Uh, we'll, we'll be back uh, next time to talk about games. We'll talk a little bit about Windows 11 or whatever they end up calling it. And I'll be in a different... I'll be in Portland by then. So we will uh, talk to you again probably in uh, July. So take care, everyone, and stay safe. See you in the next one. Bye.